Hey, this is Stupid Questions. This is the second part of U.S. presidential elections. We're going to talk a lot about the Electoral College, and then we're going to have a little chat about what happens if a president wants to still be president, even if most of the rest of America disagrees with him. So enjoy. Okay, the next question is, you know, like on election night when you're watching the TV and they've got the red and blue map of the states behind you and NBC yes. News or whatever says, okay, we're declaring Montana for Hillary Clinton. Ha ha. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how do they do that? The, how do they call an election? For yes. We, we can do this real quick. Basically, well... And this is not official, right? It's just no. NBC News yes. or CBS CNN, or whatever. whatever. And, and the biggest mistake was when a lot of the media outlets called Florida for Al Gore in 2000 and had to, to walk that back when it became apparent. They just made, they screwed up in their modeling, essentially, and they and they, they um, had some wrong totals from certain counties or something like that. Well, so what do you mean by modeling? Well, okay, so what, what they do is basically three ways that they the media might call call a state. Exit polls has been historically been very important. There's a group called Edison Media Research that does the exit polling for every single major media outlet there, so they don't have to all do it the same. It got ridiculous. But what's an exit poll? Exit poll is where they ask people on the way out of the voting booth, who would you, vote, Who'd you for? vote for? And, and other, other demographic questions, things like that. So they okay. take that and they use that. That's critical So because it, it's random sampling that they're using. And those are for sure people who voted. Yeah. Obviously, now that more and more people are voting by mail, yeah. that's going to be problematic for exit polling. But it's still going to be a, a useful uh, tool in order to call votes. They also get actual results from like like at the precinct level from various jurisdictions. And they're able to sort of model that. Like... This precinct is very democratic. It usually goes 70-30 for the Democrats. Uh-oh, it came in at 50-50. They can model that, given past electoral behavior, to predict what the rest of the state is going to do or, or what that means for the vote totals for the, the entire state. The last way they do it is, again, actual vote tallies, but at the county level. And again, it's the same thing. The idea is that you look for trends and you model. And so they're doing some pretty sophisticated math nowadays, okay. and that's how essentially that how they're they're calling it. They're and they doing know it. what the the voter registration numbers are, right? Eh, not all or the states, breakdown. Not all states do registration by party. Oh, okay. Most do, but essentially they they use past behavior. They have voting modeling. They take exit poll and actual tallies as early as possible, and then they extrapolate, and that's how they call. Okay, you ready for the next question? Sure. Why do we use the Electoral College to elect the president rather than popular vote? We don't have to make that that, that drawn out. It actually, it's, it's, it'll have to be some history, though. Some argue that this was kind of a states' rights thing, right? That during the debates over the Constitution, back in the olden days, one of the main points of contention was how much power to give states, governments versus the national government, but also there was huge disagreement on small state versus big state. Smaller, you know, Rhode Island or, or less populous Georgia or something like that versus Virginia, New York, Massachusetts with larger population bases, right? Wait, are you talking about during the time Framers. they were writing the Constitution? Constitution, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, weren't all the states small back then? No, there was, some had much larger populations than the other states. Okay. So that's what they meant. They, when they, they meant... S relatively large populations versus states with relatively smaller okay. populations. And the smaller population states were worried that the larger population states were going to sort of dominate the politics of this new nation. Okay. By the way, that's exactly why you have the U.S. Senate, right? The House, the House of Representatives was set up to be roughly proportional to the population. You've got uh, the number of House members that were um, 
proportional to the population of the state right. as a proportion of the total population of the country. The Senate is not like that, though. It's two for each state. So Wyoming, with uh, what 700,000 people, gets two, the same number of senators that California gets yeah. with tens of millions of people. It's it's one of the stupidest, Ridiculous. most undemocratic yeah. relics in any de democracy in the world. So did they just not realize that, I mean, I guess they couldn't, that, that we, there was going to be a California or a Texas, or a, you know. No, they did realize that because already was. Like I said, Virginia and and Pennsylvania and New York had much that... larger populations than New Jersey, Georgia, Rhode Island. Absolutely. Yeah. Really? That there was that big of a huge disparity? disparity. I mean, right, it's all relative. Yeah. It wasn't millions to seven hundred thousand. Right. Was, I, don't, I don't. I'd have to make it up, but it yeah. was seven hundred thousand to a hundred thousand or something like that. Okay. So. Hmm. Other historians, though, say the state's right thing is nonsense. In other words, the Electoral College wasn't meant to empower the, the states. It was actually kind of almost the opposite. It was kind of birthed by a desire to make the will of the voters more impactful on the presidency than kind of a state-by-state. State. Because one of the alternatives to the Electoral College was having the states vote. So literally, there's going to be 13 states, seven to six. That was one of the alternatives to the Electoral College in the early kind of these discussions about the Constitution, about what system we'd have. The more likely alternative, though, was going to be... You mean each state gets one vote? Yeah, that was people brought that up as a possibility. Wow, okay. Some people said, okay, the governor will, will cast that ballot, or some people said the state legislature will cast that ballot, but mm -hmm. otherwise, it was really literally states will vote for a president. Right. The more likely alternative, though, was that the Congress would, would directly elect the president. That was probably the most likely thing to happen before they came up with this idea of the Electoral College, yeah. was that Congress would vote for the president. So, so Electoral College was a way to buffer the presidency, the executive branch, from the power of the legislative branch. Because back then, and for the first 100 plus years of our existence, the legislative branch was more powerful than the executive branch. That's only really the post-World War II era that the um, president has, has glommed onto more and more power to the point now where yeah. it's, it's extraordinarily, uh, you know, asymmetrical. The pre executive has tremendous amount of power in our system now. Anyway, the Congress voting would be kind of like the parliamentary vote they were used right. to in England, mm -hmm. uh, but they wanted a check. The whole thing is about checks and balances, right? So they thought if Congress is, is electing the president, that kind of thwarts a check uh, the president should have on Congress. Right. So they came up with the Electoral College. That was a way to say, look, this will be a buffer. It won't be Congress. And, and the electoral people who make up this Electoral College would be voted on state by state by the will of the people. So that was a way for the people to more directly impact who becomes president. So it was actually kind of at the time thought of as more democratic than the likely alternatives. The popular vote was never a strong alternative <laughs> to that for a variety of reasons we'll talk about in a second, or maybe we won't. But um, the Electoral College was seen as a kind of a compromise, really, yeah. to, to get some popular will in there and not have the president be beholden to Congress, but also not to have just the states vote for it either. Right. There's other reasons. There's things like slavery. The South was allowed, as you know, to count three-fifths of their slave population yeah. as... Um, citizens in order to apportion house the population and, and to apportion house districts. Right. So they got more, frankly, they got more congressional seats than they deserved if they didn't count their slaves, who, of course, could not vote. Since slaves would not be allowed to vote, obviously, 
a general election, they did the South didn't like the popular vote because they'd be uh, outnumbered by the non-slave North, and the Electoral College is predicated. Remember, it's, you get you get electoral votes. Each state gets two votes for their two senators and one vote for each of their House districts. So it gives a little more, the Electoral College is, again, because of that, it's a little anti-democratic. So it's not as bad as the Senate is, but it's still, it's not entirely proportional to each state's number of, of citizens, number of, of voters. Yeah. And so the, so the South liked the Electoral College better than a popular vote for that reason. It gave them a little more swing, a little more uh, proportional electoral college votes than popular vote would. So, that, I mean, that's basically the, the reasons. They invented that as kind of a compromise. It seemed like a little bit of a middle ground. It wasn't really about having these wise men pick the best possible person. Right. That's not, that was really kind of a side. Alexander Hamilton wrote about that, but not, not many others did. That was, it was more just the mechanism. The constitutional framing was all about just compromising. That's where the three-fifths came in, that's where the Senate came in, and that's where the Electoral College came in as well. And like the Senate, it's an idiotic anachronism. It doesn't need to exist. So did they even envision that, like what has happened now, that, a candidate who can lose the popular vote but win the presidency because of the electoral I'm sure they, they must have. They, they certainly must have thought about that. I mean, everybody knew that George Washington was going to be president for eight years at the beginning anyway. That was a, that was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. But they, I mean, the math is, is pretty easy for that to happen. Uh, I, but I don't know that there's any record of them really agonizing over that or really thinking it out thoroughly. They were very, they were fearful actually of it sort of breaking down into favorite sons and regional candidates. Like the Deep South would have somebody, the Mid Atlantic would have someone else, the New England would have someone else, New York would have someone else, Pennsylvania would have someone else, and, and they would never cobble. After Washington, they were fearful that there would never be another majority right. president. And so maybe the Electoral College was a way where these people could compromise and get through that in a way that you couldn't have if you let the states do it or let Congress do it. Yeah. So again, it was, it was another compromise. It's, it's unfortunate because it was a mistake. Yeah. They needed to do it to get that thing signed and sealed and delivered. And unfortunately, just a straight popular vote was never an option. James Wilson, from, uh, the delegate from Pennsylvania, brought it up a couple of times. They voted it down. Again, the South didn't like it. And it was, yeah. was going to be, everybody kind of knew that's going to be, I remember, so, you have to remember, James Madison, he was a Virginian. George Washington was a Virginian. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson was a Virginian. The South had a more voice even than its, than its population warranted in, yeah. the, in the framing. There were, there were important people from, John Adams was there, and there were other people that were very important, but the South had a lot of say-so. Yeah. I mean, James Madison was the main, the main dude who uh, framed the framing. So it's not going to be changed anytime soon. It would take a constitutional amendment to do so. Damn it. Okay. Um, so what happens if nobody wins a majority of electoral votes? I'm glad you asked Could because that, that absolutely can happen. It has, ha has happened. When? 1800, 1824, <laughs> 1876, although that was a flat-out stolen election. So, yeah, it's happened. It's pretty straightforward, though, what is to happen. What occurs is in the Constitution, and it was modified by the 12th and 20th Amendments. Is it a do-over? Mm, no. Not, no, not exactly. Uh, kind of, but not exactly. You have to win a majority. That's 270 electoral votes out of the 538 total. Right. Because remember, D.C. gets its three. Mm -hmm. So you have to win a majority of electoral votes to win, to be president. If there's a tie, or if no 
single person, there's no majority because there's more than two people getting votes, Yeah, which has happened. And there can be a tie, by the way. I've gamed this out on those <sighs> websites that you you know you can do, yeah, to you know pick the state and whatnot. And there absolutely can be two sixty nine to two sixty nine. It's not an impossible. I mean, to the point where it's not even you don't even have to uh, pick states doing something utterly ludicrous. It yeah. could happen within actual potential outcomes. A little scary, isn't it? Yeah. So if there's no, scary, if, if there is a third party like Ross Pro nineteen ninety two, some people thought he might eke out two or three states. So there was concerns that it was going to be thrown to the house in. Uh, 1992, which I just spoiler alert uh, alerted. Yeah. So if no one gets a majority, then it goes to the House of Representatives, and the House would convene on January 6th of the year after the election to count the electoral votes. They do that by a constitutional amendment. This, by the way, would be the new, the newly elected House. That was intentional too. That was in the 20th Amendment. Because where they change the date where the House convenes initially on January 3rd, and then on January 6th, they count the electoral votes. They wanted the newly elected House, for good reasons, yeah. to be the, the body that chose the president. That didn't used to be true before that, would choose the president. So the three top candidates, not two, the three top candidates with electoral votes would then be in the ring for the House to, to be allowed to vote upon. In 1824, there were four candidates that actually received electoral votes. Wow. And the four, so the fourth guy, Henry Clay, he didn't get a place at a seat at the table in the, the House election. The House election, yeah, essentially what it, what it is. And again, this reflects that people were, people were thinking there, you know, there could be instances that the whole two-party thing was not always a given. Right. And so the mechanism is this. Each state then gets to vote for one of those three people by one vote for each state. And so it's the members of Congress in each state. So, so California has 53 members of House members. Those 53 vote for who we're going to give it to, Biden or Trump. Okay. And there are four or more Democrats in California. There are Republicans. That, that state will go for Biden. So California has, boom, one vote. Wyoming has one dude. She's a Republican, Lynn Cheney. She says, I'm going to go for Trump. And Boom, Wyoming now has matched the electoral power of California wow. and so on. So it's a state-by-state state thing. You've got to get a majority of the states. So 26 out of 50 have to vote for one of those three candidates that in there. And again, if there's only two candidates getting electoral votes, then it's only those two candidates, which is in the modern time is going to happen. That sounds absolutely crazy. It's nuts. Right now, you're probably thinking, how would that the, – the current Congress – 26 states have majority Republican. Because remember, they get, they get Wyoming, yeah. Alaska, you know, all four in Utah, whatever. So they have these little low population states, Idaho, Montana, where there are Republicans in there. And every one of those states gets one vote. Wow. Same as New York, California, Florida, et cetera. It's, it's an idiotic system. So if it happened now, it would go to the Republican. If it happened with this, it would be 26 Republican, 22 Democrat, and two states, Michigan and Pennsylvania, are tied. They have an even number of Republicans wow. and Democrats. But remember, it's the new House that would get to vote on it. So right. I haven't seen any extrapolations, but it's not clear if, that's gonna, if that is going to change much because most of those 26 states, again, are one or two or three-person, yeah. very Republican, you know, Western or Rocky Mountain states, yeah. things like that. So what if no majority of states? What, what if there isn't a majority? 26 states can't agree on one person. 
so in this case, it had to be 25, 25. Exactly. Or yeah. if there's more than one, if there's three people. But wait, what, what happens to DC's votes? DC does not get any votes. Oh. Sorry. Sorry, DC. Bummer. Yeah. Okay. You, you get, you get sh- left out of it. In that case, they just keep on doing ballot after ballot after ballot. It works for the Pope. They eventually have the black smoke or the white smoke. I can't remember. So it happened in 18, 1800, where that's before they had the 12th Amendment to realize, that's when they realized, oh, crap, people are voting for you know president and vice president. And so Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr, his VP candidate, got the same number of votes. And they had to go through 36 ballots oh before God. they finally gave it to vote for, the House voted for Jefferson to win. Wow. Thanks mainly to Alexander Hamilton, by the way, even though those two didn't get along. Basically, he said that, I don't like Jefferson. We, dis- we disagree, but he's a principled person. Aaron Burr is a piece of shit, and he is an evil little toad without any principles whatsoever. So we have to, he urged all his Federalist compatriots to vote for Jefferson, even though he didn't like him. Yeah. Huh. By the way, in case you're wondering who chooses the VP, the vice president, the Senate chooses the vice president, and it's one senator, one vote. And yes, so... Can you say Biden-Pence? Yeah. There was a possibility of that happening. If Biden won the presidency so through the House the vote. So it would be the It would be. They vote for whoever they want. So oh. would, would a Republican majority, say the Republicans maintain their majority in the Senate, would they vote for Pence to be a check on Biden if Biden was going to be the president through the House? I, I think they probably would. Well, it wouldn't be much of a check. I mean. No, but still. You, you get to be the head of the Senate. You get to go to all. Uh, you get to vote in a, yeah. in a tied Senate. That that yeah. could be huge. What if the Senate's tied? That could be I huge. Know. And you get to go to all those those cool funerals. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's say, fun. Mike, just keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> bud. Buddy, you're doing great. <laughs> okay, so okay, more along the lines of electoral college. Who the hell are they? Yeah. And how how can I become one? <laughs> and do they really get to vote for who they want to vote for, or do they have to vote for? what their state tells them. I'm glad you asked that. Let's dispense with the first part real quick. It's not that interesting. The second part's (laughs) way more interesting. But basically, electors are are party loyalist. You know, each party in every state, through different mechanisms in different states, has a slate of electors. Again, equal to how many electoral votes you get. So California would have 55 electors. So the Democrats say, here's our 55 names. Republicans say, here's our 55 names. Whoever wins that state, those 55 people go to the electoral college. That's how you become elected. So you become elected. Some states, they're like elected representatives are automatically electors or electors in waiting. Some states, it's just, it's just, it's however who the you state know. wants to do it. Yeah, however the state does it. It's basically party loyalists, people who are involved in party affairs, you know, the county chiefs or something like that, county party people, things like that. Are all states winner take alls? Yes. What do you mean? Oh, electoral college? No. Okay. Maine and, and Nebraska do theirs. They, the winner of the state gets the two Senate Electoral College votes, but then each of their districts are individual. So Nebraska has three congressional districts. So if, if Trump wins Nebraska, he gets two automatically, and, but then the, the winner of the three congressional districts within Nebraska go to that candidate. So Trump could win District 1 and District 2, but if Biden wins District 3, he gets one electoral vote out of Nebraska's five. Okay. Maine is the same, but they only have two districts. And that, that could happen. Oh, the, the district, there's that one district in Nebraska that's around Omaha that's much more Democratic than the rest of the state, and then the reverse in Maine, where the second district in northern Maine is much more Republican than, than the rest of the, than the first district. So it's not impossible Trump could win a single electoral vote out of Maine's total of four. 
and it's okay. not impossible. Biden can win one. There's of, no big states, though. No, that no big state do does anything that. Like that. Okay. The more interesting question is, can an elector vote his or her conscience? You know, can they be what's called a faithless elector and go against the popular vote winner of that state? Right. Yes, they absolutely can. There is no, you know, there's no constitutional mechanism to stop them. Sometimes they'll, they'll do so with repercussions, but they still can do it. And this has happened many times. This has happened in, in a lot of elections where people have, uh, electors have chosen to vote for someone else other than the winner of their state. In 2016, there were seven faithless electors in 2016. There were three Democrats in Washington where Hillary Clinton won handily, and they voted for Colin Powell. I'll tell you why in a second. Really? One, another Washington delegate, Democratic delegate, voted for Faith Spotted Eagle of the Sioux Nation. One Republican delegate voted from Texas, voted for John Kasich, and another voted for Libertarian Ron Paul, and then some hippie in Hawaii voted for Bernie Sanders instead of Hillary Clinton. Really? Yeah. So the, this could absolutely affect an, an election. 100%. If it's 269 to 69, 270 to 268, yeah. 271 to 267, Has absolutely. Has it ever happened? No. Not, not where it's affecting an election. But there's no reason to think it can't. Right. Because typically, because it's winner-take-all, the electoral, coll- electoral college is typically fairly wide. Like, like Donald Trump was really, he won like 312 to 208, whatever. Or, no, whatever. I messed it up. 322 to 200-something. Yeah. For Clinton. He was talking about, like, that was a huge landslide. Oh, I crushed her. I, won, I beat her by over 100 electoral votes. That's one of the closest electoral votes in our history. It's in the 25th percentile of closest Electoral college yeah. votes. They're usually it exaggerates the, the the level. John John Kennedy beat Richard Nixon by like a point in 1960, but it crushed him in the electoral college. Right. So, about half of all states have laws requiring their electors to vote for the candidate that won their state, yeah. and they have to sign a pledge. So you know, case closed. But well, even, but there's a law, there's, so, so so they're breaking the law if uh-huh, they don't. Uh huh. They get fined. Thousand bucks in Washington, five hundred in um, North Carolina. Hmm. You think you might risk that five hundred dollar fine or a thousand dollar fine? And well, make I would. History? I would if I was These, a faithless elector voting against Trump. Those people in Washington, they had a, a recent court case. The Supreme Court upheld the right of states to punish electors who are faithless. And I remember those. this just happened a couple months ago, and, right. and the articles that were written about that almost like, well, phew, dodged a bullet. Now we don't have any faith, faithless electors. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Of course we can still have faithless electors. Only 15 states have any, any penalty at all for faithless electors. Do any of them have jail terms? No. Of course they can do it. And some states, you can revoke the right of an elector to be an elector, but how but they so meet what? on December fourteenth. Yeah. You walk in those doors to meet with the, your other your fellow members of the electoral college, and as long as you kept your mouth shut yeah. until then, go for it. You have no penalty. So I was very annoyed by those articles that sort of portrayed it as we don't have to worry about that. We absolutely yeah. have to worry about yeah. that. We can. I mean, can you imagine? If it's 270, 268, say Biden, or 271 to 267 Biden. The reason I say that is because Trump's folks. A lot of big Trump supporters are are billionaires, yeah. are decabillionaires. What kind of pressures or inducements can yeah. be brought upon one, two, three, four Biden electors to hey, switch it up? Shh, don't give anybody an idea. Well, I'm just saying. And it could happen the other way. Don't get me wrong. It could happen the other way. You have some Trump electors <laughs> to go for Biden. It could happen. And but so so yes, the answer to your question is absolutely they can vote for 
whomever they want. There might be some modest repercussions, but... Okay, this is our last question, Dean. What happens if Trump just decides he's... Because he's hemmed and hawed. Or no, he hasn't even hemmed and hawed. He said he doesn't know if he's going to respect the election results. Yeah. So what if he decides, nope, he's not going to respect him and he's going to stay put? This is a little more subjective than other ones. And but what I'll, could what is there a law? Is there a it, is it in the Constitution? Not really. It's not nearly clear at all. And there are scenarios. And during this answer, I'm going to talk about. I'm sure it'll it'll upset a lot of our Trump fan listeners here on our <laughs> first first or second show. I'm our sure third we'll show. have many. Um, but I'm going to stick to facts in this scenario. So anyway. Right now, Joe Biden is clearly winning the election. There's no question about it. It's still a long way to go. There's still over 90 days or so to go before the election. It's not impossible that oh my God. Trump could come back, right? 90 days is nothing. It, it's, it's, it sounds like nothing, but in poly- who knows what could happen. Well, sure, you yes. Know? Yeah. Joe Biden can be at a debate, and he can just like freeze up and forget <laughs> where he is or something like that, hey. you know? which is basically at this point what Trump is. is, is yes. This is Hail Mary. Trump's going to say he did, no matter what he's, <laughs> sure he will. no matter what happens. So it's still possible for Biden to lose, but let's be clear, his lead right now is far more extensive and far more geographically widespread than Hillary Clinton ever had in 2016. So all those people who said, oh, they thought Hillary was going to win, so therefore we don't know, that's not true. Yeah. This, this is a much more robust lead for Biden than it was for Hillary. Not Again, still could change, but as of now, it's very clear what's happening. So... Is there a scenario where Trump could just legally hold on to power, even if he lost the election that he appears to be going to lose? The easy answer is, is no. There's no legal thing he could do to hold on to power. But the more complicated answer is that there are things he could do that would make it unclear who won the election, or at least to challenge the election, and then make it uncertain of who really is president come January 20th, 2021. Is there a mechanism to challenge an election? Not really, no. The Constitution has expected us to behave ourselves and expected the presidents or the presidential candidates, and especially the sitting president, to, you know, maintain norms and to be... To be honestly, to be democratic, small d. Yeah. To like democracy. If you or, have a president who is not, honestly, right. literally, is not a big fan of democracy, you have a problem. Or to do what Al Gore did and just say and concede even for the good he, of the country. Yes. I know I won, but yeah. And that's that. That was essentially a tie election. That's why said, some of us will never forgive Al Gore. <laughs> it's not a partisan thing I'm saying here. In the, it might sound like it, and if if you don't like that, sorry, but. On this show, we're always going to deal in facts, and in this case, these are the facts. So just a few days ago, as you mentioned, Trump floated the idea of delaying the election because of COVID-19, Yep. right? COVID-19 is going to make it hard to vote, so we, can't, we might have to delay the election. This is the same time he's saying that COVID-19, he's been minimizing the effects of COVID-19 <laughs> yeah. for months and saying that schools need to open completely and fully before the election is going to be held. So yeah. it's obvious that his, he doesn't really think the election, the COVID-19 should delay the election. That's clearly not true. So there's another reason for him to say that, right? Trump has repeatedly complained that mail-in balloting is wrought with fraud and that it can't be trusted, despite, of course, as we've discussed, the clear, incontrovertible fact that this is not just not true, but insanely Mm -hmm. not true. Again, he knows that. The people around him know that. 
there has to be another reason for him saying that than that he thinks it is true. Okay. He, Trump, has put a loyalist and major fundraiser for him in charge of the post office. Mm-hmm. The first thing that guy did was start to announce massive layoffs all over the country at post offices everywhere. What's this going to do? It's going to gum up mail. This at a time where we know we are going to have, by far, the most mail-in ballots in the history of our country. Right. And lastly, Trump said in a recent interview that he might not accept the results of the election. Right. Uh, he's, quote, you don't know until you see, he told Chris Wallace of Fox News. It depends. I think mail-in voting is going to rig the election. I really do. He really doesn't. He knows that's not yeah. true. So again, why is he saying these things? I'm sorry, again, these are not partisan statements. These are absolute facts. He said that. He said, I, yeah. I might delay the election. He said, I think mail-in balloting is rigged. We know, we know he knows that's not true. Ex-Senator Tim Worth, he's a Democrat from Colorado, he has recently floated this idea in an op-ed piece that this kind of Trump plot to maintain the presidency, it involved, like, he would claim fraud for enough Democratic states to get Biden's electoral vote below a majority, right? Uh-huh. So these four states that voted for Biden, you know, whatever, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, whatever. I challenge those elections. William Barr, as his loyal lapdog attorney general, says, yep, we're going to start an investigation. And then you just simply draw out that investigation until after December 14th, when by law, by constitution, yeah. the Electoral College has to meet and cast their ballots. So the Electoral College meets on December 14th, and those three or four states that he's challenged and are being under investigation, you don't count those electoral votes. Those electoral college people are in dispute, so they're not allowed to join the conclave. But who says that? Trump, Trump, Trump says that. No, no, no. And, and, and the Justice Department agrees. And now you, have, you just have to have I a know, court but there's say... No, there's no set procedure for when somebody is disputing the That's the beauty of it. Of, so, it so it stands. The results stand. Not, no. All you have to do, do is have the court say, yep, this is under investigation. We're not going to see it as electoral college. So it would have to go to it the ha- Supreme Court, oh, basically. Presumably, yes. So you're assuming the Supreme Court is going to say... They're assuming that. If it's in dispute. Tim Worth assumes that in his scenario, yeah. yes. So the vote... So at that point, if you don't have an electoral college majority, as we just found out earlier, mm-hmm. it goes to the House. And right now... That's 26 states are controlled by Republicans. Voila, Donald Trump is a two-term president. I choose to assume that can't happen. Maybe. Meaning the court would not allow those votes not to count just because one person is claiming fraud. Yes. But when that one person is the president and when he has the attorney general conducting official investigations with FBI personnel doing it, which they would, that changes the dynamic for sure. Yeah, I know. I just... I have another theory. Okay, what's your other theory? So I'm going to spin this little scenario here for you. It's based really because it's evidenced by things Trump is actually doing or saying, and he's already is doing or has said these things. So it goes back to how we kind of started this question. Trump has relentlessly challenged the integrity of mail-in voting. Yes. He's laying the groundwork for some kind of a challenge of mail-in votes or even phony investigations, a la the Tim Worth thing. And more importantly, he's laying the groundwork. He's sowing doubt as to the validity of mailed-in votes. Yep. Okay, step one, let's call it. Because of COVID-19, there will be millions more mailed-in votes than ever before. Right. So COVID-19 makes this 
in a weird way, even though it's hurting him politically, it could help him maintain the presidency by this, you know, ill-gotten means. Yeah. Number three, Democrats will vote by mail far more than Republicans will this year. This is not normally the case, but... Why do you say that is the case? Because there's polling to show it, and for two reasons. One is that it's part of it is, in, is due to Trump's own rhetoric. Right. A recent CNN poll showed more people will vote, A, that more people will vote by mail, so that goes back to my second point, this year than ever before, and that Biden backers are far more likely to want to vote by mail than Trump backers. And a lot of that is is ascribed to, because Trump has been telling his loyal Republicans, can't trust it, it's phony, uh, vote yeah. by mail is rigged, so they're not going to vote by mail because they don't trust the vote by mail. In fact, there's been several Republican state operatives and, and secretaries of state who have begged him to stop doing that because vote by mail has been a very important part of Republicans right. get out the yeah. vote effort in years past. They've done, like Florida's a good example. They do great with mailed-in ballots in Florida, yeah. the Republicans do, and they have for years. So they're worried that it's going to discourage Republicans from voting by mail, which is important to them winning that state. And so then they may, for whatever reason, not actually go vote. Well, uh, uh, and Trump hopes that they do. And they, they but they go vote in person. That's right. the key. That's the next key. So because of these two trends, that is mail-in votes are going to be more numerous, and those votes are more likely to favor Democrats this year. So those late-coming mail-in ballots are going to much more favor Democrats this year for that, for that reason. Democrats trust it, and Democrats fear COVID more, so are more likely to vote by mail than vote in person because of COVID. And also, Democrats have made a real concerted effort to get their, their folks to vote by mail this year. Right. So we're going to have way more mail-in ballots and fewer day of voting, right. in-person voting, and we're going to have a, a, a skew in favor of the Democrats in those millions and millions and millions of mailed-in ballots. So that those two trends mean that Trump has a really good chance to win the the day of voting. So that those first votes that they count will include all mail-in ballots that got there before the day of the election, right. and people who voted in person. If this scenario holds, then Trump could easily, and in fact, is likely to win, quote unquote, win the those ballots they first Not are win, announced. Not win, be ahead. Yeah, be ahead in those states because millions of mail-in ballots in those states haven't, haven't come counted. in yet, and yeah. those ballots are going to skew heavily towards Democrats. Yeah. So what happens then? Trump has won in his. But you certainly know he'll say that. I won. I won. Look at the counts. I've won. Yeah. He did that in 2016 with California. Because, remember, Hillary Clinton got millions of late-coming right. votes in California because the first votes they count were like absentee votes or, or, and, and day of, and Democrats were already doing a lot of mail-in voting in California right. then, so he's all pissed. He was questioning the legality of the in 2016. Yeah. He'll do that times 20 this year. <laughs> so there'll be an army of Republican lawyers will spread out across the, the, the country, and they'll do whatever it takes to challenge Throw out so throw out the mail-in ballots that already came in, and to stop the counting of the mail-in ballots that continue to pour in across the country. Yeah, and they'll I, you know I, I don't I don't even know what they'll do. They'll deny the validity. They'll they'll cry fraud. They'll have you know Republican poll 
elected officials throw throw a lot of uh, mail-in ballots out. They'll probably challenge on a, a, um, like technical reasons for it. They'll probably challenge those states who let the postmark thing and let the ballots count even though they come in days or even a couple weeks later. They'll, right. uh, they'll you, you know they'll count they'll challenge that. Uh, Trump has already had rhetoric about how we can't just have the election go on and on and on and keep counting ballots. Well, yeah, we can. Yeah, you can. So, what happens is Trump wins the day of, declares himself the president, and does whatever it takes to not keep counting mail-in ballots, right. which are going to be the ballots that would presumably put Biden ahead. His rhetoric and his actions, bad-mouthing mail-in ballots, saying he might not accept the vote, sabotaging the post office, all those things suggest exactly the scenario that I'm, I'm talking about. And it, this goes back months, by the way. He's been doing this for months, so which yeah. it, to me in turn suggests that there has been a... You know, Plan. I don't want to sound like conspiracy theorists. For sure, we're not conspiracy mongers at all. Uh, but this, there's a, there's things he's doing and saying that are incredibly suspicious and do fit this scenario that I just laid out. He's been laying the groundwork yeah. for it for months. Okay, but not a conspiracy to the to the point where, I mean, because no. states are in charge of their own elections. Yes, and. For the most part, elections officials take their job seriously. Absolutely. And they want the results to be an accurate reflection mm -hmm. of their state's voters, right? So you would hope. There are some sectors of states in some states that may play ball with this the scenario. The Secretary of State, but... That's who, that's who controls the, ultimately controls the balloting. I know, but they're not going to change the result if... No, you but know, could, would on, they go... On the more local level, those guys... Would they go along with a scheme to stop counting mail-in ballots. Yeah. Yeah, they could. I, I, and how likely is this to happen? I don't think it's, I mean, I don't know. M more likely now, given Trump's concerted rhetoric than I would have thought a couple of months ago. It's yeah. getting scarier that he is gonna do something extra constitutional to try to maintain But they office. can't just order people to stop counting votes. Oh, the, the Supreme Court did it in, in, no, in Florida in 2000. Saying. So yeah, they can. Trump can't and the states can't. It has to <sighs> come from higher than that, right? I mean, yes, theoretically. But could he just say, I'm the president, I'm here, I'm staying, and I've, you know, in my mind, I've proven that this is all rigged and is all, and I won the day of, and you can't, you have to stop counting these mail-in votes. These mail-in votes in are bullshit. Theoretically, the according to the Constitution, yeah, but, but that, so he's in the White House. He still thinks he controls the Army, the Secret Service, the, the Justice Department, et cetera. Who's going to go? So ask yourself that. What's going to happen then? The Constitution has absolutely unclear of what happens at that point. I mean, theoretically, people say, oh, he can't do that because on January 20th, on, at noon January 20th of 2021, he stops being president. Yeah. Okay, so what's going to happen, though? Biden's going to order the Secret Service to arrest him? What are they going to do? Trump says, no, I ordered you to arrest Biden. What's going to happen? Is some general going to do something? Is some military unit going to do something? Is the FBI going to do something? Is the well, Secret Service going to do something? At that point. Well, it, it could. I'm not saying it's going to, but it could. Yeah. It absolutely could. I don't know what happens at that point. Does the does the Supreme Court weigh in? And if so, yeah, yeah that's what would happen. Like theoretically, there'd be Republicans who'd be telling this guy, "Okay, knock it off. Yeah. Enough's enough." But I'm not sure sure there are any of those left, or if there are, that they would have any persuasion over Trump. He is yeah. the most abnormal. I mean that I don't someone who doesn't adhere to yes. long-standing norms in yeah. the history of the country by far. So, I don't know. Well, you know, 
I'm hopeful that it won't get to that point. <laughs> I'm, I don't think it will. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying, I, I will say this. I do think he is laying the groundwork for something yes. like this. Hoping it's like a close election. Right? That's the hope. Yeah. I mean, think about 2000. 2000 was, Florida was a tie. We will never know who won Florida where there was Gore Bush. And whoever right. won that state officially was 537 votes. That's insane out of millions yeah. of votes cast. So we'll, we'll never know who won 2000. Like you said, Donald Trump is not going to be Al Gore and just uh, yeah. and exceed. And, and you know what? Well, and Biden either, either better never either. Well, and uh, I'm hopeful that th- this is just so that Trump can say, I didn't really lose, yes. but still go away. That, that's I, I've heard that and a month or so ago. I think I believe that. I'm not sure I believe that anymore. Well, I, know. I think he's literally laying the groundwork yeah. to ascent, effectively steal a close election. Yeah. A close election. It's gonna be the, the, the less close the election is, the harder it's going to be for him. Yeah. No question about it. Yeah. So we'll see. We hope well, you enjoyed so that. The only way to change this, to put an actual procedure in place... For any of these eventualities would be constitutional amendment, right? It would be, but how do you do that? I don't know. The party, the person who lost the election won't leave the White House. The third army has yeah. to go. How would you do that? Because who knows who lost? That's exactly his point here is, is I didn't lose the election. I'm you know, claiming that I won the election that's in dispute. And you're a big fan that you think the Supreme Court wouldn't go along and give that to him the way the Supreme Court in 2000 gave it to Bush when in the heart of hearts they know full well they didn't know who won. I'm not so sure this Supreme Court wouldn't give it to Trump if it was givable, if it was a close election that he could claim some quasi, in in their own mind, semi-valid dispute about the uh, electoral outcome. Oh, yeah. well, you know. But I, does anybody believe there could be that? No, no one believes there could be, but it's yeah. not going to stop. Like I said, five Supreme Court jurors in, in 2000 knew full well their vote was bullshit, but they did it anyway. Yeah. So could that happen again? I, I'm not saying it couldn't. It, it's, I, it's up to John Roberts, basically. John, if you're listening, <laughs> See, don't I, be a dick. I do have a little bit of faith in John Roberts. I do too. So it might come to that. And you're, and you're right. It might be he's just trying to set up uh, an excuse that I didn't yeah. really lose. Yeah. Like he did in 2016. Yes. But I, I honestly don't think so. I think they've been doing it for such a long time now. I, but it, the post office is the thing that really makes me... That's an actual act. I know. He is sabotaging the post office to try to minimize mail-in balloting, knowing that mail-in balloting is going to favor Democrats this year. That's a, a form of electoral so, fraud. I know. So could somebody... How do you prove it? They File see, a lawsuit now? How do you prove it? All the, they're saying that, and, and the, the post office is losing money hand over fist. They don't have to cut costs. The, the Congress has offered billions of dollars to keep the post office humming along at, at the capacity it is now, but the, uh, the Trump-appointed guy is going to refuse that money because it hasn't been passed yet. Or they also have a $10 billion loan available to them th- from the Treasury, and he's refusing to take it. Yeah. That, that tells me they, they are fully intending to bottle up as many mail-in ballots as they possibly can. So everybody send a bunch of mail. No, don't send a bunch of mail. Send nothing but your ballot. No, send a bunch of mail now to give the post office money. That, that's that the they, worst plan I've ever heard That they life. can't turn down. <laughs> no, okay. Everybody ignore that. Why? Because <laughs> it's not. It's, it's, they're, they're like $4.5 billion in the hole. I know, but there's like already that. a big so. save. There's already have been save the post office. Yeah. Okay. Things. I'm postcards and mailed them. Oh, good for you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our initial episodes <sighs> of Stupid 
questions. We'll do something a little lighter next time, like COVID. <laughs> okay, maybe <laughs> after that we'll do something light. Yeah. Like, how the hell movies? Maybe we'll do movies. Like, how do movies get green-lighted? Sure. Who's... What exactly does a producer do? I mean, honestly, what does a producer, day by day, they what produce. the hell does he do? They produce. Anyway, hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe, rate, review if you can. And presumably we have social media <laughs> that we will tell you about one of these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thanks for listening. Yes. See you next time.